Imagine that you're a sailor on the Aegean Sea. It's the 7th century BC, 2700 years ago. As a Greek, you dominate these waters, but your captain has admittedly lost his way. No one believes his promises anymore, and you're certain you'll never see your wife again. You've wandered far west from your home port. Food ran out days ago. The ship's stock of water and wine may last another day at most. Saying the crew is exhausted is being kind, yet you keep on. There's no choice. The, the captain swears there'll be hospitable land ahead. You exchange looks with your shipmates. Perhaps it's time to throw him overboard. Moods are foul, every joke falls flat. At midday, the lookout suddenly shouts, Great Zeus, land! Everybody stands desperately peering ahead. And sure enough, on the horizon is a small jut of green on an otherwise endless gray stretch of sea. The captain shouts, To land, boys! The gods grant us another day! Soon, the ship maneuvers onto a pristine beach. It's a large island. There's a forest that surrounds the bottom of a mountain. Smoke rises from within the woods. There must be a dwelling of some kind. The captain points to a dozen of your comrades, including you, saying, search the area, see who's in the house, find out the name of this place. You scramble out of the ship along with the others. There's a narrow path that winds into the interior. You lead the way. No one speaks. There's something odd about the woods. Everything's a bit otherworldly, but why? As you round a bend in the trail, you stop A massive wolf faces you. Behind it is another, and then another appears. But these beasts, too, are odd. Their hair isn't standing on end. Their teeth are not bared. Strangely, their tails are wagging. You turn, looking at your crewmates behind you. They shrug. As you turn again toward the wolves, you're doubly shocked. They've been joined by a young woman. You fall to a knee. It's almost reflexive. She must be a goddess. Her eyes are blue and her appearance is, her appearance is well, it's unearthly. Raising both arms, she speaks, her voice like a song, she says, Poor sailors, come and join me for a meal. Welcome to episode 16 of Garner's Greek Mythology. I'm your host, mythologist and best-selling author, Patrick Garner. You can read more about my novels and about this podcast at patrickgarnerbooks.com. By the way, I've just added a new page there about Greek gods that covers all of the important names. 
You'll love these characters. Check it out. All of my books imagine the ancient gods living in modern times. And as always, this podcast series focuses on one thing. Greek gods, of course. Here, the ancient gods are not considered imaginary. Hardly. Instead, they, like you, are here now. Starved, the men rush around you, trying to be the first to accept her invitation. And the woman? What is she? A word appears in your mind. Enchantress. You pause a moment. She's smiling at you. Then as suddenly she turns and leads your shipmates deeper into the woods. You hesitate, lingering back watching, but still following them at a distance. A quaint house appears in a clearing. At her invitation, the men stream into her home as, as hungry as you are, but you resist and you watch from afar. Only minutes have passed, but suddenly, A dozen pigs tumble from her home. You know instantly, your shipmates. She strides out, herding them into a pigsty. Once they're in, she slams the gate, then turns to you. You thought you were well hidden, but again, she sings, this time saying, Oh, sailor, go and tell your captain that you've come to the island of A-A-A, and that I am Circe, the divine daughter of Helios. Similar incidents on this mysterious island happened over and over during the centuries. Ships would wander by mistake onto the goddess's beach, and within hours the men would have forgotten who they were. Later in this episode, we'll hear about an encounter between Circe and Odysseus as he unknowingly lands on the same beach. Circe. Every Greek knew of her. She was the offspring of the sun god Helios and, fittingly, Hecate, the primal goddess who moves like a shadow between the world of the living and the dead. I say fittingly, for even as a young girl, Circe had a predilection for herbs that live in shadows, ones that thrive in deep ravines and under logs. She sensed which were of value and can make them bend to her wishes. The poet Homer wrote that she knew endless charms. It was as if the plant spoke to her, and in time, as she entered puberty, she found that she could bend other forces to her will as easily casting spells as walking from one room to another. That quality, even more than her knowledge of herbs, eventually made Circe dangerous. And the realization that she was unpredictable made the other gods avoid her. After all, she might suddenly lose her temper. When she did, she might turn a casual friend into a pig, a three-headed fish, or a hideous dog. An ancient Greek writer, Apollonius of Rhodes, 
wrote that she had golden eyes that shot out rays of light. Her hair was described as rays of fire. Passionate and fiery, she was a young woman who fell in love as quickly as she angered. An example is the story of Glaucus, a sea god, and what occurred between Glaucus and Circe is what led Helios to eventually banish Circe to a distant island. Glaucus fell in love with a maiden named Cilia, but Cilia spurned his affections. In despair, he turned to Circe, hoping she might cast a favorable spell. Unexpectedly, though, Circe fell in love with Glaucus. She boldly proposed they marry, but he turned her down. Furious, Circe used her herbs to take revenge, but not against Glaucus. Instead, she found the beautiful Cilia bathing and infused the waters with a toxic herb. In seconds, Cilia's thighs turned into the heads of dogs. As Cilia struggled to get out of the water, she was transformed into a monstrous thing that no longer resembled a human in any way. When Helios learned of the incident, he exiled Circe to the island of Aeaea. There, she would be a danger to no one. Or so he believed. But as we've seen, lost ships still came into sight of the island and into Circe's crosshairs. Circe had a niece named Medea. Like Circe, Medea was known as a sorceress, and in addition, she was a priestess to Hecate. Medea grew up on the Black Sea in the land of Colchis, and first rose to fame when she encountered Jason and the Argonauts. With their daring exploits, Jason and his band made a name for themselves long before the Trojan War. When they arrived in Colchis, their one goal was to steal the Golden Fleece. Only with it could Jason assume the kingship of Thessaly. Medea, though, falls in love with Jason when he seeks her help. She assures him that he'll prevail, but he must promise to marry her and take her away. After accomplishing amazing feats with her help, Jason succeeds in stealing the fleece. But Medea's brother learns of the theft and tries to stop them. Medea kills her brother with a sword. One variation of the story says she dismembers him and scatters his parts around. Regardless, the bloody murder leaves her defiled. It's an act she knows she can never purge. And as a sorceress, she knows she must be purified. She thinks, Circe, of course. My aunt can cleanse us both. Fleeing, Medea and Jason leave on his ship, fleece carefully stored. After weeks of sailing, they land on Aeaea. Circe greets them, but senses immediately that they're hiding something. Then she knows they're fugitives with blood on their hands. Jason and Medea finally confess, begging that she help absolve them. In disgust, she wants to drive them away. But she knows that Zeus requires all travelers be welcomed, whoever they are. 
She proceeds with the sacred rites and sacrifices a piglet, praying to Zeus to cleanse the two. But when the rites are concluded, Circe demands they leave. She wants no murderers in her home. As the dark ship departs, becoming smaller on the horizon, she stands on the beach watching, alone again. Regardless of her isolation, in time, Circe's gifts came to full fruition. She could change lions to bears and bears to swine or swine to snakes. To make her magic, sometimes she used herbs, sometimes she just imagined the change and it happened. She knew she was far more powerful now than when her father banished her from his great halls. Still, we have to entertain the possibility that knowledge of Circe and her eccentric powers could well have just faded from human memory, if not for another incident that occurred hundreds of years after the one with Medea, she might be remembered as no more than a minor character in a very distant past. But her destiny continued to unfold. Her grandest story was about to begin. Homer secured her eternal fame in the Odyssey. There he told the story of the Greek hero Odysseus. At the end of the Trojan War, Odysseus set sail with 12 ships to return home to his wife and son. But it turned out that in the war he had angered some of the gods. You may remember that the gods frequently took sides, similar to fans at a sporting event. No matter his ingenuity and courage, his way home was thwarted at every turn. After constant misadventures, he lost 11 of the 12 ships and hundreds of his men. And of course, those remaining were in despair. His ship sailed near Circe's island. The crew, grateful to find land, beached their craft. A narrow column of smoke rose from the woods. Standing on the beach, the man heard singing. Odysseus assigned several of them to scout the island. Discover the source of the smoke, he said. Determine whether it comes from a friend or foe. Don't allow yourselves to be seen. As the search party approached the interior, the singing became louder. It seemed to surround the men. They found a clearing and stopped. A strangely perfect house sat off to the side. Most startling, lions and wolves lounged in the grass. Rather than fiercely defending the home, the animals came up to them, trying to rub against them like pets. All the while, the singing from within the house continued. With resolve, one of the men in this new crop of men shouted, Hello! A young woman with astonishingly blue eyes stepped out. She smiled, asking if the men would like food. There's enough for all, she sang. Odysseus had ordered them not to be seen, but the singing had a strange effect. They'd forgotten his command. They'd forgotten everything. Without speaking, they nodded and filed into the house. 
Only one who happened to be Odysseus's brother-in-law remained outside suspicious of it all. In the house, the men sat and were given bowls of stew from a steaming pot, but that's not all they got. Circe had added a magic potion to it. As they ate, they were filled with a sense of joy. Then, inexplicably, Circe began to tell jokes that made fun of the gods. As the men laughed helplessly, she suddenly waved a long golden wand. They turned, one by one, into pigs. Odysseus's brother-in-law watched as she drove them down the front steps and into a pigsty. As Circe locked them in, he began to weep and fled to the ship. Odysseus was stunned at what he heard. He ordered the man to stay with the ship while he investigated. His brother-in-law was sure that Odysseus would meet a similar fate. And as Odysseus made his way toward the house, instead of encountering Circe, he found a tall, handsome man standing in the path. It was the god Hermes. Odysseus bowed deeply. Hermes said, if you go without my help, she will enchant you as well. He elaborated, saying, she has many traps, but if you eat this herb, you'll be immune to all her wiles. As Odysseus chewed on the leaves, he asked, who is the sorceress? Hermes smiled, you don't know. Odysseus shook his head. Hermes said, her name is Circe. Odysseus was instantly filled with dread. Hermes continued saying, Now go to her. When she waves her wand at you, pull your sword and pretend you're about to kill her. But you cannot, for if you do, then you'll never free your men. In addition, she'll demand you sleep with her. That you must do, as you cannot refuse a goddess. Within a short time, all of the things that Hermes predicted occurred. Circe was shocked that Odysseus could resist her spells and found him charming. In time, Odysseus persuaded her to release his men, which she did. They were healthier, younger, and far more handsome than before she changed them all. She in turn seemed to become more beautiful by the day. She convinced him to stay and his men agreed, delighted with the food and the opportunity to rest. He became her lover and a year passed. Eventually, homesickness struck his crew, and one by one they told him of their heartbreak. Odysseus himself yearned for his wife, Penelope. With reluctance, Circe agreed to release them, even repairing their ship and replacing its tattered sails. But she warned him that his challenges were far from over. Before he could return home, danger awaited at every turn. In the end, Odysseus did make it home and, and rescued his wife Penelope from the many suitors who tried to convince her that he was long dead. One story relates that years later he succumbed to a peaceful death. But another version has him die violently as he fights an intruder. And the intruder was a son he did not know he'd conceived with Circe. In that version, after his death, Penelope goes to Circe's island to thank the Enchantress for guiding Odysseus home. But characterizing Circe as a golden-hearted goddess would be an error. She, like many of the other gods, was far more complex. 
Circe crafted herbs for power, but also as a result of sheer curiosity. Contrast her with Medea, who used them as concoctions to destroy everyone in her way. Both wielded power and both are viewed today as having influenced today's Wiccans or witches. But there's more. Like Dionysus, Circe was dangerously modern. She rejected the role of obedient daughter or cloistered wife. Basically, she did as she pleased. And in that respect, like her mother Hecate, she was self-reliant, liberated, and utterly unconstrained. In our next episode, we take a different turn and look into the often charming world of nymphs. I say often charming as these bewitching young women could be equally seductive and dangerous. And in ancient Greece, they were everywhere. Be sure to visit patrickgarnerbooks.com or find me on Amazon. My three novels are set in today's world and feature Greek gods who meddle and maneuver as they always have.